Hey everyone, it is Joel here and welcome back to the Shock Absorber. It's exciting to have you along with us. I hope you're enjoying your January as we are. We are having a little bit of a break from recording new content, but we are still bringing you Shock Absorber content. And you may have noticed last episode, we brought you the keynote address by Stu Crawshaw from the October conference that we held. Now, this episode, we are bringing on our, one of our pastors, Paul Tate, to discuss our hospitality service team. Uh, a lot of people have asked us, how do we make a meal happen? How do we scale a meal up to be able to serve lots of people and to add to our expression of intergenerational church? Well, this is a segment for you to listen to if you're wondering those particular questions. Uh, we'll be having a couple of videos with our service team coordinators. Paul's going to share what we've learned over the last few years. And there's also plenty more to learn about why a meal is really important to our expression of church. Anyway, I hope you love it. hope you enjoy it. And uh, if you've got any questions, I'll be at the end of this episode to let you know how you can ask them. As we uh, come back into this next section, we're going to be talking about hospitality uh, and the importance of having a meal together and the way that that actually fuels a shock absorber approach. And so... Before I throw back to the panel and we uh, introduce uh, another pastor to the team, I'm going to share a video with us um, with Lisa. Lisa is our hospitality um, coordinator, particularly for our Sunday morning, uh, though she has a hand in a lot of different areas of our church, which is a great benefit to us. Um, so we're going to uh, watch a video from Lisa. And we're going to hear her explain how she is doing hospitality uh, on a Sunday morning context. Lisa, why should, why do you do, or what do you think is important about the hospitality? So I think serving um, as part of our hospitality team is a really important part of what we do here at Soul Revival. Uh, for our Sunday morning breakfast, it's a great opportunity um, to actually love in a really practical way. Um, we set up our breakfast and we serve food and it's a great opportunity as people come past the kitchen and they collect their food for us to love and, um, and serve them and to also build a great relationship with people as they come. Uh, so some of the other things that I think are really important is for the actual hospitality team themselves, it's also a great opportunity to build friendships and to serve alongside each other and have some time of fellowship as we're in the kitchen. Um, one of the really practical things as well is here at Soul Revival, we're about building a family. Uh, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so by serving a meal, we're actually sitting down and we're doing life together. And so it's a great opportunity for us to come together and to build that sense of family. So people get to do um, take turns in cleaning up and cooking and, and just sharing time with each other as a family. Okay, so when um, you want to get involved uh, on a Sunday morning here at Soul Revival, um, it's really easy. Um, what we do is we put people on a roster um, and you serve once a month. And the reason we do that um, is because it's a really great opportunity to get to know people and get to know what it is you have to do. We've got a number of jobs that you can choose to do. Um, you might want to be on the barbecue, you might want to cook some pancakes, you might want to cut up fruit, or you might want to be outside on the barbecue. So we've got plenty of jobs for people to do. 
We've also got a great opportunity for people to come in and help us with cleanup. We've got people who cook morning tea for us and bring it in. And we've got people who serve morning tea. So there's heaps of things. You don't need any special skills. One of the things that I love to do on a Sunday morning is we have a big team of people. So even though it might only take one person to do the washing up, I'll always make sure that there's at least two people, sometimes three, because it's a great chance to stand alongside somebody while you're swinging a tea towel and just get to make new friends. And it's the same on the barbecue. Yes, there could be one person who can cook all the sausages or the bacon, but we always try and make sure there are two people out there so it's a good opportunity for you to have a chat. So that really the only thing that you need to do to get involved is let me know and, and we put you on a team. So you're either on the first, second, third or fourth Sunday of the month and then you come and you just pitch in. No particular skills are needed. As I said, everybody is welcome. Uh, the, probably the only thing that's slightly different is the coffee. You do need to do some training before you do coffee machine. We're pretty particular about our coffee here at Soul Revival. So I would really like to encourage you as you kind of reflect and think, how can I get involved? How can I serve at Soul Revival? Why would you get involved in hospitality? Well, I just think uh, from my perspective, it's a really great opportunity to actually get to know people. And that's not just the people that you're serving with, but it's the people that you're serving at church. So it's a great opportunity for you to come alongside people and really invest in them and be on the journey of life together. So taking that opportunity to get to know that um, with our identical twins, Harry and Bert on a Sunday morning, that Harry has laces in his shoes and brown sandals. They're important things to know because then you can call Harry and Bert by name and getting, and like there are just so many things. We've got so many kids. We've got Charlie who likes his sausages on a Sunday morning and he likes them a particular way. And all these things that you get to know about the people that you come alongside, which is what you do in a family. So it's more than just coming to church and turning up and sitting down and going to an event it's actually being on the journey of life together and just serving each other as we do that. I'm joined back on the panel. Thank you to Tim, by the way, and to Lisa. What a great job she did. Um, I know that she was very excited to shoot that video last Friday because in the morning she'd gone and got her hair done because she was able to go back to the hairdresser. So that was really cool. Um, joined back on the panel by Stu. Hello. Hello. How was uh, your bio break? Was it good? It's a good bio break. It's a good <laughs> and I am joined again by Paul, uh, not again for the first time, sorry, by yeah. Paul. How are you, Paul? I'm well, thank you. Excellent. Uh, your bio break was good too. Uh, it was. <laughs> That's good. Um, now, Paul, uh, you are uh, another pastor at Soul Revival Church. Mm. Um, your main service that you're responsible for, or sorry, gathering, is uh, Sunday morning at Kiriwe. Do you want to give us a little bit of background on what you actually do on a Sunday yeah, morning? Yeah, I've got the, the great blessing to be part of, 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 of that gathering. Um, it's wonderful. And, and Lisa does an absolutely amazing job. Um, uh, people are, everyone, doesn't matter which age um, and whoever steps in through the door, everyone's blown away by the breakfast on a Sunday morning. That's cool. And um, this, that's a, a wonderful magnet for, for people and uh, a great thing to fellowship around. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, uh what what's the usually the favorite breakfast do you think we don't have to go too much about the food but i was just thought have you got a favorite breakfast um i i really love breakfast but it's sort of because one of the reasons i love it is because it's sort of like a set menu um you've got you've got the sort of the cereal the fruit um the the cold sort of start side right and then you can move to the warm side um and you can move to a savory warm mm. or you can move to sweet warm bacon and you know <laughs> you're right and you name it uh we've got the whole lot the whole yeah. shebang 
and um, it's it's uh, and then that's what I, I sort of love about about breakfast. Yeah. Well, that's uh, the breakfast is a good example of the flexible practice that we're talking about. Is that on our Saturday night gathering, for example, we have dinner after the the gathering, but at Sunday morning we have it prior. We have it. It starts at eight thirty. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. So eight thirty to nine thirty uh, is um, the the breakfast bar is open, <laughs> and um, and away you go. Come uh, and and people mostly everyone does come early um, to sit down and eat and share life with one another, and um, and then we then we move into the more formal gathering, and then after that we get second breakfast. Uh, it's like a, a morning tea. That's, no, that's awesome. So we are from the Shire, so some people call us hobbits. So. <laughs> that's right, yeah. There's a lot of food, a lot of food going on. Um, but I, I, I thought it was, uh, the reason, one of the reasons we um, wanted you to be on the panel is obviously you know Lisa from Sunday morning very well, obviously. But also um, to look at the biblical perspective of why meals is really important and why we think meals are so important for intergenerational ministry. Um, I know that you've prepared some um, some notes for us, so I'd love to hear what you've, you've got to say. A couple of parts scribbled down. I mean, really touching on one of the stuff that um, Stu mentioned earlier, um, when we talk about Jesus changing everything, is that as we are united to him, uh, we are brought into a new family. We become children of God, or we're united to him and to his brothers and our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, uh, and we're, we're called to keep honouring God together as a group, um, uh, to, to worship him, to fellowship with one another, to serve in ministry. And, and all these areas are not just simply isolated. They actually encompass all of life um, in all that we do. Uh, and you can see that all the way through the scriptures, um, sort of in shadow in the Old Testament, but fulfilled in the New Testament. And... Um, it just goes to show that really having a meal together is really a great way to keep applying all these sorts of things um, to actually build this relational new reality that we are together. Um, and so it's not surprising that as you start to read the New Testament at the very beginnings of the church, um, you see people committed to eating with one another. And so um, right there at the very beginning, as Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost and people start becoming Christians, thousands of, in fact, um, we read on, says, we read how they talk about they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to prayer. And we, so we think, of course, you know, committing themselves to the word of God, listening to God speak and to prayer, to actually respond to God in prayer. But it's also mentioned that they are also committed to the breaking of bread. And um, that's the only other thing mentioned. And uh, it's actually mentioned a little bit further down again. They continue to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And so it's actually, it's really right there at the, at the, at the foundation of the New Testament church. And so, um, and of course, pragmatically, we can see that a meal draws us together and brings us together, um, which sort of begs the question, then why why have we drifted? Like, um, what, what have we done? And uh, I, I sort of wonder whether it's just about um, being convenient. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, we might have squashed the meal down to um, the Lord's Supper and think uh, that's when we, uh, we, we gather together. But with a small little thing of um, wine or juice and a little snippet of bread. Um, uh, or it could even be a cultural question as to what we've done. And we've actually um, made it more convenient. And so a meal for us now, um, especially in the West, modern day West, can be bought through a drive through and eaten in the front seat of your car. Now, that's not exactly fellowship. <laughs> so um, 
But I think actually, if we come back to the, the, the era of the Bible, and actually for a lot of other cultures in the world, they would think it's un, unthinkable that you would have fellowship without food and food without fellowship. And so I think that's a wonderful thing that we've actually been able to sort of see um, reinvigorated in our gathering, in our fellowship to actually have food. And it's actually, and as, as Lisa was mentioning you know, in the video, just the, all the, the things that flow out of that, um, our fellowship, our service of one another, our worship um, together um, by being able to serve one another, um, to, to serve and to be served. And so that's, a, I think that's the sort of the general big picture. Um, I think if you want a theological um, explanation as to why we might do it, but there's so many other practical things as well. Um, but it's a wonderful blessing um, mm. to, to be on the on um, to be part of that time of of kneeling, eating together. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I love being able to sit down with people and how it extends our time at church is what is really fun as well. It's we 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 um, possibly have fallen into professionalizing church a lot of the time, and we just turn up for the hour and then go home, and and that's it. And then we get an Uber Eats delivered <laughs> again in the sake of convenience and speed yeah, yeah absolutely how, how good is Uber <laughs> it is convenient <laughs> but i mean it isn't that one of the things i think it's about slowing down so mm. being able to slow down together um actually gives us an opportunity to share life with one another um and um, and to reflect on things uh most of the, in in our churches we have momentous things to learn and momentous things to share and and uh and so that's actually a wonderful thing to have give the opportunity to reflect upon that mm. and so just to slow down just to, to to stop and think oh i'm not taking off straight away after church we're going to eat for a little while um or be motivated to get to church a little bit earlier for the sake of eating and that sort of thing yeah i, lo I love that fellowship aspect around eating um and also how you were saying that we're in a new relational reality. Stu, you talked about how we're reconciled to each other and as well as Jesus. And I think that's a, a great way to actually um, express that. Is there anything you want to just add quickly about sharing a meal together? Yeah, just quickly, uh, we're going to see another video with Bev who's going to talk about the Saturday night as well. So we thought it'd be fun to see two different time slots and how they're applied differently. But my mum, my Bev, is, is in her 70s now and I had a delightful experience over one of these meals once where I was just... Uh, standing around talking to someone as Bev was getting her dinner and walking to her table. She just happened to be walking with Pippa, who was seven. And I overheard the another. It sounds like I'm just listening to everyone's conversations, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But um, I overheard the conversations. They walked past me, and I heard Pippa was Pippa was holding Bev's hand, and they both had a plate of food in each hand. And Pippa said to Bev, "Now, Bev, you're going to have dinner with me tonight because you're always talking to everybody else, and I never get any Bev and Pippa time. So let's sit down together." And I thought that was delightful. I thought it was just so lovely, and so natural, and so easy. So yeah, I think food is a really nice way of bringing people together. Just, yeah, it, we we love how it fits that intergenerational reality that you're just um, using an example there. Well, uh, we are going to hear from your mum, Bev, who is beautiful, and we love her very much. So uh, if Tim, if you wouldn't mind queuing up that next video, that'd be awesome. Hi, I'm Bev. Welcome to my kitchen. And I'm the coordinator for Soul Revival Hospitality and the team leader for Saturday nights. So, Bev, why do we do hospitality at Soul Revival Church? Um, we do hospitality because it's just so important to us. Jesus was often pictured in the Bible having meals with people in their homes, on a hillside, or on the beach. 
And I'm sure it was um, very important to him as the people who were eating with him would get to know him better and what he was on earth for. Our motives are the same. To get to know each other better as a church, discuss what we've learned in the sermon, or to ask questions about our faith and to ask people to pray for our special needs. It is a way that we can love each other. This happens not only when we're eating, but while we're preparing the meal and cleaning up afterwards. Uh, but cleaning up afterwards, there's also some hijinks go on. So they do have a great time doing that. This is always how we show our love by serving, serving other people. So if someone wants to get involved in the hospitality team, what does it actually look like? Um, our teams consist of a cook and from three to five helpers for preparation and sometimes extra people are asked to help to serve the meal. Some people cook some of the meal at home and finish it off at church. We always serve wholesome food and cater for as many dietary needs as we can. Our church is nut-free zone as we have several people with this allergy. If you want to get involved to help in this area of our church, we're always willing to welcome you onto the team, especially if you are new to the church or have trouble making friends. This is a great opportunity. You can contact me via the Pulse program as my phone and email are on there. If you prefer to work with a special person, just let me know. You usually do it once a term of three months. We need two extra teams to fill our three monthly roster. So if you can cook and feel confident to do so for 100 to 150 people, I would love to hear from you. And if you have a menu, we can help you with the amounts needed and setting up the kitchen and cooking it. We have eight to 10 hot pots and two large rice cookers at your disposal. Why do you do um, hospitality? Well, the main reason I do hospitality is because I love serving, I love Jesus, I love our church family, and it smells great when you walk into church and, and smell that food cooking. And it always warms my heart each week to see the cooks and teams turn up and serve us with a meal with such good grace and smiles on their faces as though it's absolutely nothing. Is there anything in particular that you have gotten out of serving people in this way? Um, just watching the kids that want to come and help serve and they have such a good time together and it always amazes me that they just all want to show up and serve and love God. All right, thanks, Aunty Bev. Another one of my favourite people in the entire universe. Back to you guys at the table. Awesome. How good is Bev? I love your mum. She's pretty good. She's awesome. She's like the matriarch of the church almost. <laughs> she's just like going around giving out hugs to everyone. <laughs> she's, she's amazing. Uh, hijinks that uh, end up happening at the, when you're cleaning up is usually I'll whip people with tea towels if I'm on cleanup, just if you're wondering what she meant by that. Um, uh, Stu, I think... Uh, Bev's been there from the very beginning um, mm. in terms of hospitality and been helping with the hospitality team. Mm. Um, I think some of the questions that people might be asking is like, how do you start something like meals? When we started Soul Revival Church in 2012, we might have seen it as a daunting thing to feed even the 30 people that yes. we started with. Mm. How did we um, make that a less daunting task and uh, start scaling from there? Mm. So I think I think it's 
good to to work within the capacity of the group that you've got and also the the, the idea is that bringing the why and the how first before the practice of the meal is good. Why are we having a meal? Well, uh, it might be something different than what our church has done before, but Jesus changes everything. Let's, let's actually, you know, work with him as he builds the church. And as Paul said, you know, the early church, Jesus, as Bev said, was um, always, there's always meals being described. Uh, not that that's prescriptive in the scriptures, but it's a lot of fun. And so if we want to get involved with that, it's a case of, um, what could what what's a meal we could do with each other and one of the things i mentioned in the first part of the talk was uh, that all churches look different and they're different sizes and i think the good thing to think about is scalability so uh, that's why we've come up with all this fun stuff in front of us i mean uh, our west ride crew at soul revival came up with an even smaller version of uh, our gathering they've started with only four people and they've built up to 17 people over COVID, which is really exciting and Grace came, I think it was Grace or Michelle came up with the idea of calling the group a Vespa. Maybe one of the, one of them might want to clarify that. The, the Vespa is like a little bike and you can just sit a friend on there and zip around. You don't need a lot of structures for two people. But if you want to drive around with five people, you might want a beetle. Like that might mean a few more structures. And then again, if you want to go even bigger, like Bev was talking about with 100 people, that might be like a family car, like a combi. But you don't have to start off cooking for 150 people if there's only four of you so i think the idea of the hospitality is to scale it and um yeah i think that that would be my answer and that's why we've come up with even though we've got all this fun stuff on the table we've come up with this idea of ask yourself the question is my my gathering like a vespa do we only and what structures do we need and then what do we need to move to a beetle and what do we need to move to a combi van as we get bigger and that's sort of all we've really done and just organically grown out of that. And we found that quite doable, actually. And, yeah, it's a lot of fun. One question about that, and you guys might be able to help me, uh, both of you help me answer it, <laughs> is that why, why wouldn't we get it catered? Why is that an important thing? Yes, remember that comment about convenience. <laughs> uh, it's not just about um, squishing the time down, um, but that's a, like squishing the service down. Right. And so uh, it sort of then works against all those wonderful elements of being growing in the family of God, the idea of serving one another, the idea of being served uh, and all that sort of stuff. And so uh, to professionalize it, to make it external, um, uh, takes away uh, all that stuff, takes away the opportunity for people to move through um, levels of service, to start by drying up some plates on cleanup, um, moving right through to coordinating a meal um, you don't you won't get that sort of like nice pathway mm -hmm. um, happening either um, as well as uh, an unintended well consequence of thinking that people then get really picky because they think oh the professionals have come in um, we probably pay a bit more of a professional price uh, and then of course people think well why am I not getting my money's worth and so it, it, it promotes unfortunate outcomes yep Totally. I think that's a great idea. Great yeah, we, we generally charge $5 for the food per head, and that seems to cover most meals. Uh, and, um, I mean, Jai's off screen now, but he might even want to comment a little bit about what goes on, on at Yarrawarra and Cronulla too. I don't know, Jai, do you want to share a bit about how you guys... If you want to just grab the mic, man. Because um, we, we don't have a kitchen available to us, we um, do a couple of different things depending on who's on 
uh, people will, will bring slow slow cookers that they've had on all day, um, or we'll do a barbecue or something like that. Uh, we recently purchased some um, paella burners and dishes and stuff for for Cronulla. Uh, paella, how good's paella? <laughs> so good. um, we, we've got a uh, a barbecue that we use down, that uh, stays down at Yarrawarra because we do a um, like a a brunch brekkie type thing after the service. So yeah, we we do a few little different things like that to to get around. Uh, that um, yeah, in, instead of getting someone in to do all that for us, it's actually really fun just watching everyone pitch in and do stuff together mm. and have a laugh together. And um, we've had a few little mishaps where things have been spilt getting out of cars, but we've the, the way that the community just comes together and goes, you know what, that happens mm. and just loved everybody. And we, you know, rationed out the food and everyone, it was actually just a beautiful moment of the, of our gathering, getting to get, getting together and, and loving one another. Mm. And, and I've, yeah, I've really enjoyed being part of that too. Cause another couple of things that happened with the, as Paul was saying, slowing it down, there's actually a movement that's come from Italy called the slow food, food movement. I'll say that again, the slow food movement. And if you look online, they actually advocate growing your own veggies and, and, you know, getting the family involved with cooking and, you know, the nonna can teach mm. the younger people how to cook the pasta well. And, and there's all this skill sharing that goes on and this related relationships that go on. And I know we all live in a busy time. And so it's counterintuitive for us as city people that live in the city to, and even in, the, in, in Australia generally to do that. But it's actually, I think the thing is feel freedom to do it or not do it. So we have the formal service. It's an hour and people can tap out if they want to and they could stay for dinner if they want to if they want to contribute to the meal they want to. and it becomes a growing part of people's lives it's a very organic thing and the, the we talked about the structural um things that you need to think about too but i think that also it's uh, i find that hospitality is one of the easiest ministries to for people to start serving into because mm. like you said just swing on a tea towel or people know how to most people know how to do some kind of cooking too so mm. that's what really cool um we're going to move on to a quick q a discussion around these kind of things that we're talking about um and i just thought while um you might feel like putting your questions in the chat or discussion points um so i thought you might be worth um explaining you actually said previously that you learned a lot from our indigenous brothers and sisters mm. out west about why it was really important to have a meal um while you're telling that story chuck your questions in the chat guys and we'll, we'll get to them after that yeah I, I suppose it was helpful for me the first time my brother isaac asked me to go out to brewarana with my family uh, lou, lou and i and and the two kids went out to Bree and one of the first things we did was had a meal with them. And then when we went out as a church to go and be on a, what we call friendship visits, we went out and had a friendship visit with our brothers and sisters. And um, yeah, Paul's experienced this too. Hey, like just, just that it all just slows down. Like, you know, we have church together and they actually go for like sometimes two or three hours for church actually. So that's slowed down. But then the meal afterwards, just relaxing. It's like you, you, there's permission to be a part of each other's lives and, you connect and it's that informal space we were talking about before that builds a bank account so even though we only go out sporadically and they come down here sporadically those meals have helped us to become very good friends over the last 20 years so would you find that paul when you've been out there no absolutely um we would gather uh for a, a meeting in the morning then we'd come and have lunch but lunch would sort of bleed through the whole afternoon <laughs> um, and all of a sudden it was dinner time and so <laughs> Um, we'd, we'd end up having dinner and then we'd have an, an evening an evening gathering as well so. yeah so i think i think as australians we often read books from america and england to try and find new ways of doing ministry but it's been quite delightful to actually uh to to stop and listen to aboriginal brothers and sisters and 
and uh, to actually take on some of their practices as Australian Christians has been del- delightful. Yeah, mm. fantastic. Uh, let's turn to the Q and A discussion. Tim, do we have any questions? Yeah, we've got a question here about hospitality from Leanne Smith. Leanne's coming from a Baptist context, and she's just wondering what sort of governance requirements we have in terms of the volunteers from hospitality. Uh, Are we doing safe ministry um, with the new coming out of COVID lockdown? Are there going to be particular restrictions there? How do we look after um, everyone, our volunteers, but also the people they're serving? Paul, you got any comment on that? <laughs> I was going to say, we've just been putting all this together yeah. uh, into a big, long document. Um, uh, the good thing is we're not having to invent this. Um, uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, um, hospitality protocols, food preparation and serving protocols is actually very clearly mandated by the government um, because we have, you know, cafes and restaurants everywhere desperate to get back on uh, business again. Um, so we can look at that and be careful about that. Uh, the things we do uh, is we've got our teams and we're trying to make sure that they're uh, up to speed as to um, hygiene standards and that sort of thing. Um, uh, we're going to be wearing gloves and we're going to be wearing masks, um, at least for the next stage when we come back together again. Um, also with our um, space restrictions, we're going to actually have a, a uh, requirement to have full vaccination as well. So w- there's things like that, which we're just trying to make sure that we've got in place. Um, and again, like the good thing is, is that um, a lot of this has been already laid out for us by, by government regulations um, for food handling. Yeah, two things I'd add to that is uh, we also, at the end of the service, make it clear that uh, the children are finished in their program, their responsibility of the parents. So the hospitality uh, vibe for children is much like it would be at a restaurant or something where the parents are actually looking after their children. However, our kids and youth leaders are present in that space and continue to just be there and be uh, a good presence in that space. And I, but I might throw to Tim Bilhart, who work, also works for YouthWorks, because he's often our go-to person for those kind of questions. Tim, do you have anything off the top of your head you wanted to add to all that? Yeah, I suppose um, from a safe ministry perspective, um, the Anglican requirement is that anyone who is working with vulnerable people, um, directly working with vulnerable people, needs to have safe ministry uh, training. So that would be all of our kids and youth leaders. Um, And then if you have a ministry in your church that is particularly looking after, uh, maybe it's a disability ministry or maybe it's an eldership uh, ministry with um, some senior saints who are particularly vulnerable um, or a number of different things, uh, you are required to do safe ministry training. Um, For other volunteers, and this would include our hospitality team, it's not uh, required, but we would certainly recommend it. my, my personal recommendation is I reckon everyone should do safe ministry training because it's great for everyone to know what the issues are, um, how do we best love the people who come into our midst um, and how do we best care for those amongst us and know what the red flags are to, if, to make sure that our places are safe, our relationships are safe, our, place, our people are safe. So um, if you would like to know more about uh, safe ministry training, uh, I'm definitely happy to hook you up with that, but it's um, a really important thing to be aware of. Um, and so I think, so Leanne, directly answer your question, no, our hospitality team are not expected to do safe ministry training um, because they're not directly looking after vulnerable people in that role. Um, but there's no reason not to do it. Uh, there's very, lots of good reasons to do it voluntarily. So that would be my recommendation. 
Um, just if Leanne feels comfortable, does it? You want to jump on and let us know if we uh, answered your question? Yeah, I'm here. Um, yeah, that were, that last part by Tim was really helpful, um, and uh, it's just that you cannot volunteer in a Baptist church unless you have signed a code of conduct um, and you've done some basic screening. Now, of course, that screening changes depending on where you're volunteering. So if you're just a, a, a barista, um, the requirements are not as high as if you're in a leadership position or if you're working with um, children. But, uh, yes, it's certainly something that um, all volunteers are expected to do. Um, but we're also finding that that makes it harder for people to volunteer. It's, uh, it's one of those things that people have got to really volunteer. You just sort of can't say, I'll oh, come alongside of me. Um, so I'm not sure that that is the total answer to everything either. Yeah, that's that really interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, first of all, I'd just like to thank you for all your hospitality you've offered to me and my family over the years. <laughs> hospitality. If anybody needs any pointers, talk to Leanne. Uh, also, I, I suppose one little thing I'd like to do there is also just shout out to Sydney College of Divinity. One of my uh, uh, fellow students, Shane Hanley, is doing a uh, compliance work at the moment on his PhD, and he's looking at the Baptist Church and looking at compliance issues within the Baptist Church. So, Leanne, I could put you in touch with Shane because he's incredibly helpful and very generous with his time. So he's uh, talking about some of these issues too because it's a good point you make because one of the things that hospitality is good at is you can have a low level involvement to start off with. So you can actually just wash up or wipe up. So there might be some categories there as a Baptist church, you might be able to cordon off like the difference between cooking and cleaning or collecting plates, serving food might need uh, higher compliance, maybe because there's an interaction with the church, but maybe there's some behind the scenes there. And Shane, might be able to help you with that. I don't know if James Harrison has any thoughts on that, but he might be able to. No, he's he's just saying that's that's uh, yeah. fair enough. But James, the person in contact. Yeah, he's good at that. Is yeah. So I'll put you in touch with uh, yeah. anybody else in Baptist context. I can put you on touch with him too. So just let us know. Okay, thanks, Stu. Nice one. Uh, probably time for one more question, Tim. If there's, if there's any more. There is one more question. Um, this one coming again from Gemma, uh, from Jamburu. Not necessarily a hospitality question, um, but in terms of our Bible studies, small groups, um, community groups, are they intergenerational? How do we express shock absorber in those kind of those small group uh, settings? Um, yeah. Do you want to kick that off, Paul? Are you, going to... <laughs> no, you don't want to? Uh... No, I'm going to flick past that. Okay. <laughs> I caught that one. As a chaplain on Cronulla Sharks, I'm good at a flick pass. Yeah. Or let it go through. I'm going to go straight over the try line. Okay. So All right. real quick answer. We've got this little experiment we're running at the moment called the Commitments Week. And so what we do at Commitments Week is we encourage all the committed Christians at the church to think about sharing their Bible studies with another Bible study that might be a different age group. So one of the, the little experiments we've got is that we've had some teenage young adult Bible studies hang out with some of our uh, Bible studies where there's more middle-aged people on a night and they just meet four times a year. And over that time, there'll be a building of relationship. Paul, you do that in yeah. one of your Bible studies. Do yeah. you want to comment on that? Yeah, we did that one week and um, it was like the, the, um, the country dance the first week. We had uh, all the one younger group on one side and we had all the <laughs> elders on the other side. Uh, but then the next term, uh, we were all mixed 
uh, all mixed up and, um, and a number of people who got to know each other over the last three, the three months interim period. And so it was, it was wonderful. So unfortunately, because of COVID and restrictions, we weren't able to do it this term and we're probably going to miss this term as well. Um, yeah. So um, but that, that, that was, that was very good. I just, um, to, we, our, I, I lead a community group and I'd love to share how that happened for us. And the last time we did it was that, um, so we had, uh, I think we had, Brandon might be able to confirm, I think we had four young crew come with us. They're were, they were school aged and they came to our community group, but also one of the boys' dads came. Mm. So when I looked around the room, I, like, and I've been part of Solrovive for quite a long time, I had um, uh, Fiona, who was in my community group, and she was she led a community group that I was in, a Bible study when I was all seen. But that was also at someone's house whose sons were in that teenage group. But also one of the dads of the other boys, the, the twins, his dad had been the other dad's Bible study leader at the, at the very beginning. So there was a huge intergenerational picture that we'd known each other for, in some cases, 25 years. Um, and I thought that I, I was like, I love that day. That was just so cool. And we all just shared how we became Christians. That was, that was about it. Um, I know that Daniel's actually, Daniel Darvell's actually online. I wonder if you might like to share how that went, mate. I know you love being on camera, Daniel. Uh, I would love to share how that went. Um, it was pretty cool. So I remember we just after the gathering one time, we're in our good old commitments group. I think it was year 10 and nine. So it was just like Hudson and I, and then uh, Ted, and I don't know whether or not there are any others, but yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, the leaders uh, told us that they were like, we've got this cool idea. We were thinking on going to Joel's uh, Bible study on Wednesday, I think it was, but, um, yeah, Hudson and I, we were, we were down for it, but, uh, Ted, Ted was hesitant and we were like, we were really excited. We wanted him to come and his dad ended up coming with him, which was cool. Cause, um, that just showed a lot of, um, a lot of different generations in the church too because his father was uh i think i'm not too sure but he was like a leader of some of someone that went to your church uh, <laughs> sorry bible study or something like that i don't know but um we got there it was pretty cool yeah we we mainly just talked about how we all became christians and it was, it was a nice, it was a nice night. Thanks for coming, man. It was really cool. It's cool, bro. Yeah. I think those danger signs are very appropriate for your room. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, that'll probably, we'll probably wrap it up for hospitality. Thank you so much for your interaction discussion around. That was awesome. Um, we're going to have another uh, quick bio break and then we're going to come back and talk about um, implementing the shock absorber in your particular context. So we'll be back very soon. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Joel here, just jumping back on to say thank you, thank you, thank you very much for listening and getting on board with the Shock Absorber. We genuinely really appreciate it. Um, thank you for taking the time to hear what we have to say about intergenerational ministry and the Shock Absorber. 
Now, if you do have any questions about the Shokozawa, in particular hospitality maybe from this episode, we'd love you to get in touch. You can email me at joel at shogobsorber.com.au. You can put a comment down on the YouTube channel. You can uh, send a via carrier pigeon if you think that works. Uh, but the best thing is that you just continue to listen. So you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Soul Revival Church or subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. But just want to again say thank you very much and one way.